everyone, and welcome to LifeBeat. I am your host, Tom Powell, and today with me I have Pastor Garth Hutchison. Pastor, is it Hutchison or Hutchinson? Hutchison. Hutchison. I never know if it's Hutchinson or Hutchison or Hutcherson. Uh, so there's a few different ways to say it, but he's Hutchison. No R, no N. Pastor, uh, thank you for being uh, being with us and doing this interview today. Yes, sir. Um, today we're going to talk about what we always talk about, uh, re- issues relating to the right to life, uh, abortion in particular. The first couple of questions that Pastor is going to help us with today uh, relate to Christianity itself, questions that I think even Christians would ask, pro-life Christians might ask. And then the last question is kind of a, uh, a question was more likely to be used uh, as an attack against the pro-life stance. So Pastor is going to give us his take on those kind of questions, how he might respond. He's not had any opportunity to prepare for this, so he's going to be uh, just answering on the spot. Uh, but I'm sure his answers will be good for us and uh, maybe helpful for our audience. It's going to be great. He, he's smiling now, so maybe he's not as confident as I am. All right, Pastor, before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your church? Yes, sir. The Lord led my wife and family here in 2003 to become the pastor of this church. And we have six children. They were all young. And uh, it's just been a joy to be the shepherd of this flock and to preach God's word uh, week in and week out. We've been here 19 years. Yeah, now the church is here in Norton Shores, kind of the Muskegon area. Yes, sir. Why should, why should somebody be interested in your church? Why should somebody come here? Somebody should come here. All people should come here. This is the best kept secret in Muskegon. If you did not know that, Brother Powell. <laughs> now I know. Uh, we, just, we preach the Word of God, and the Word of God is the need for the hour. It has been the need in every generation. And there's a dearth, there's a famine in the land of the preaching of God's Word, I believe. And so we don't do our own thing. We just try to preach God's word faithfully. And, and it is the word of God that converts and gives life and brings joy and, and uh, a thousand other wonderful things. Okay, great. Well, the secret's out now. Uh, you know <laughs> Little Black Lake Baptist Church and Pastor Hutchison. All right, I'm going to get right into our first question. Pastor Hutchison, some Christians and pastors feel that they should stay out of political issues. They see abortion as an example yes. of a political issue, and they want to stay f- solely focused on the gospel. Now, I know you as a person. I've been having conversation with you even today, and so I know that you feel you should be involved, but why? Why do you feel that as a pastor you should speak out against abortion? Well, abortion is uh, a very key political issue, but it's not just a political issue. Hmm. It, is a, it is deeply a moral issue. And um, any preacher, in my opinion, who will not speak out against abortion ought to do something else, get a different job. Um, we have so much blood on our hands, and the estimates are enormous, 62 million, whatever it might be. Um, how could we not stand up for those that have no voice? I want to see babies born and enjoy life. I love life. Every person ought to be able uh, to be born that has been conceived. And um, abortion is a deeply moral issue. It is the great sin of our day that is legalized and, and um, ignored. And um, so we must. We must be involved in God's people. Historically, in America, we've always been involved in politics. We, we have never sat on the side. This country would not be had good, godly people that knew the word of God uh, made this country what it is. So we must, we must be involved because abortion is a great, great moral issue, in my opinion. Now, why do you not feel that just holding that as a personal opinion yes. is enough? Why isn't it enough for you to just be pro-life yourself? You have some kids. 
Uh, so obviously you like kids, but some people don't. Some people that's, that isn't for them. So why do you feel that you need to speak out against other people having an abortion, not just for yourself? The ones who are speaking the loudest have the worst opinions. And if we do not combat that with truth, uh, how will we ever get God's point of view uh, into the public? We must get the gospel back into the marketplace. We've got to get pro-life ideas and stances in the marketplace into the ears of people. And uh, we must, if, if it's true and if it's right and we are people of conviction, we must speak the truth in love in the church, but on the assembly line when we're buying products out in the marketplace. It must be done. Amen. And I agree with that. I hope I should say for the sake of the audience that these are uh, devil's advocate type questions, not, not based on positions that I hold. I'm 100% pro-life. Uh, but these questions do need to be asked. And if you're having the conversation, and I hope you folks are having the conversation, then these are questions you are likely to be asked. Now, this question, this question about uh, why should we speak out um, is this a detriment to the gospel? Uh, that, that question itself leads to my second question. So, Pastor, I would like to ask, wouldn't being confronted by pro-lifers cause someone to be offended or perhaps annoyed at Christianity in general? Why should we risk turning people away from Jesus by being confrontational? Well, I think we must realize as Christians that an uh, unbeliever is already condemned. Um, if I give them an opportunity to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am being kind to them and merciful to them. If I speak uh, about pro-life issues, I don't think that that turns anybody away from uh, Christ in general. But people are born lost. We are born away from God. And so um, handing somebody a life preserver while they're drowning is a favor. That is not condemning anyone. So I think we must speak about it. And we must never uh, think about we might turn people away. If somebody's going to be away from the gospel, they're going to be away from the gospel whether I speak or not. So I'm going to I'm going to speak the truth on both of these issues and not worry about driving people away. So do you think that perhaps some gospel seekers might be offended by your strong stance against abortion that that they don't agree with? Well, it certainly might be uh, possible, you know. Um, but I believe that we have the truth on our side, and if we can engage people and get people to think compassionately about life, I think if somebody will engage their brain and think rationally, allowing a precious little child to be born, how could that not touch somebody's heart? Now, I want to circle back to something you said. I think I know what you're talking about, but again, for the sake of the audience, you referred to people who are getting offended um, as though they're already outside of Christ. They're already not in Christ. What did you mean by that? What did you mean well, by they're already condemned? Well, we're, we're all born sinners according to the Word of God. And uh, we, we are born in a world that is aside from God. We are born going aside from God. It is our natural uh, bent. And so we're already away from the Lord and we simply need his word to come into our heart to show us how to come to Christ. And so all of us are born maybe in, a, in America, in this country, but we're all born outside of the family of God. And uh, just like that little child was conceived in the womb, we also must be born again by God's word and his spirit. 
And so we're all away from God, but praise God, he loves all of us and will bring us into his family by faith. Now, this is something we've talked about on the podcast before. So if you're a longtime listener, you've already heard this, but I want to give Pastor the chance to, to bring it up. So, Pastor, how, how is it that somebody is born again? Uh, and what, it, what does that mean? Born again, well, Jesus actually was speaking to Nicodemus about that and told him he must be born again. And he was, he was rather confused. And uh, he says, you know, what do, what do I need to do? Enter into my mother's womb the second time? And the Lord says, no, that was your fleshly birth. And, uh, but God says we need to be born again uh, spiritually. And so we are body, soul, and spirit, but we do not have the residence of God within us. And so Christ came in flesh. He died for our sin. If a person believes that, he is forgiven of their sin, receives Christ's righteousness. But we become alive unto God in our spirit. We're born, we come into a relationship with Christ, and that's what it means to be, you know, born again. We become alive unto God. We confess we are sinners. He's the Lord. And it's just when our spiritual relationship begins uh, with the Lord, I would say. All right. Now, the questions that I've asked so far, I feel, are questions that somebody who might be pro-life might ask, or somebody who is a Christian and not sure about where they should stand on this might ask. But this next question is more likely to come from somebody who considers themselves pro-choice somebody who considers themselves against your position, against my position, they might ask something like this, or they might present a scenario like this. They'll say that some children would have a miserable life if they were allowed to be born. Wouldn't it be better for a mother to terminate a pregnancy that is less compatible with life? So there are some children that will be born into poverty, or there are some children that will be born with severe disorders. Or there are children who will be born and will not survive very long. Or, you know, worst of worst case scenarios, there's a child who might be born with all of these problems. A child could be born uh, to a family with no money, uh, to a single mother with no money. The child could be born to, uh, with disease that will cost her money she doesn't even have. And the child will not survive anyway. It's not likely that it will live very long, maybe a year or something. What about those cases? Is, shouldn't there be an exception right, right. for these cases? Well, I spoke with a pro-choice lady recently, and she used that rare exception on me. And I want to encourage people to not make big decisions on small, rare uh, exceptions. Uh, somehow, Brother Tom, God uses weak things, mm -hmm. and he uses diseases, and he uses broken things. To be a great blessing to people. When I was a child, we had a, it was actually an Amish family that started coming to church and they had a Down syndrome child. Now, today, people are so selfish about having their perfect little child. Would they have aborted Lamar? Lamar was born. He was the greatest joy to his family, the greatest joy to our church. He had so much love. And by the way, who are we to act as God? Mm. Who are we to say, you're not fit to live. That is pure Darwinianism. It yeah. is pure survival of the fittest. So do we get to the point where we, we presume, well, this person will not be an intellectual, so let's, let's, let's erase their existence. Uh, where does it end? God uses brokenness. He uses sickness to get glory somehow. He works his mysterious ways. But every person that is conceived ought to be born. God is the judge. God is the one who gives life. 
and God alone is one who should be able to take life or determine life. You know, it's interesting. I wasn't planning on asking you this, but you brought up Darwin, and you brought up um, this idea, almost eugenic idea. Yes, oh, this yes. person uh, kind of needs to be culled from the herd, yes. and we, all, we don't have the right. We're not in a position to make that decision. God is. What other things uh, do you think have influenced our culture's thinking and brought us to that point? Because we're not just looking for problems to talk about problems, nor are we looking for ways to win arguments, but actually find a solution. So what are some of the origins, yes. uh, no pun intended yes, there, yes, what are some of the yes. origins of this, uh, of this kind of thinking? The origins um, are, would be one issue. The, the, the fruit of that we are experiencing today where people are just so self-centered, so self-centered. It doesn't fit my life. It doesn't benefit me. I mean, how many abortions are done through polls where women just say this child is in the way of my college education? This child, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this child because I just got a new job, and if I, get, if I bring this child to term, I will lose this job. It's a career stopper. Um, Paul told Timothy that in the latter days, you're going to be living in very dangerous times. And the first sign of a dangerous society is men will be lovers of their own selves. Mm. And when we become, when our little world revolves around ourselves, and if somebody doesn't fit me, benefit me, satisfy me, if we begin to extinguish anything that doesn't please me in this life, isn't that just about anything? And so I heard just this morning, Bob Jones Sr. recorded a message. He was talking about, uh, the German people were the most educated people pre-World War I, and we were sending our scholars and our students to Germany. Mm. Well, then they bought into the Darwinism, we are superior, these people can't live because they're Jews, because they're not healthy. What did that get us? He began to exterminate the world, so we got to be very, very careful that we do not begin to define who is inferior, because somebody with greater power may deem us inferior. Yeah. So... Right. And uh, I think, I, I know I've said this on the podcast before. I don't know if I've had this conversation with you, but my youngest sister also has Down syndrome. And uh, I can attest she has just as much personality or absolutely. probably more. Uh, she got more than a normal dose. Uh, and they absolutely deserve to be here. Um, I, I don't want to just appeal to my personal experience, but it has a lot of value to me. Yes. Uh, I've seen it with my own eyes that uh, that they are just as much people and they deserve to be here perhaps a little bit more than the rest of us. <laughs> uh, now, Pastor, kind of uh, following up with that comment about selfishness and where that leads, yes. whether it be Christians yes. or whether it be non-Christians, whether it be atheists. I imagine a lot of our listeners are Christians. So what would you say to them um, is the solution? What is the cure to selfishness? How do you start getting better? And I know I'm putting you on the spot. Right, we didn't plan right, on talking about this right. subject, but what, do you, what, what comes to mind when you think of teaching yourself to not be selfish right. and avoiding, right. ultimately avoiding the consequences of selfishness? Well, Christ told us to deny ourselves, and, and that death of self comes from the greatest, greatest example when God laid down the life of his own son. And so Christ, who is perfect, eternal, sinless, our creator, laid down his life in the greatest act of, you know, a lack of selfishness, that we might know him, that we might have fellowship with God, that we might live forever. Um, it's a highly motivational life to get rid of sin and selfishness, to follow the master, because serving other people is the greatest form of satisfaction 
that people yet have not to tap into. Living for yourself is um, pleasing right away, but there's a great emptiness in living for self. So actually living the sacrificial life, putting others first, brings me and anyone the greatest joy and fullness uh, that, that ever is possible, I believe, from God's word. Amen. So that's something that you can talk about from the biblical perspective. You yes. can also talk about it experientially. Yes. But I think probably a lot of people, if they, if they run through their memories, they can say the same thing. Oh, I was happiest when I was focused on yes. someone else's happiness. Oh, I, I, was, I felt better about my needs when I was focused on somebody else's needs. I, I, my, my marriage is better when I focus on my spouse instead of myself. Uh, my relationship with my kids is better when I focus on them instead of myself. So in, in a sense, I guess what you're saying is that selflessness as opposed to selfishness yes. isn't really a sacrifice. It appears as though it is one, but ultimately yes. it's not really one. And probably coming to that realization would help people yes. to come out of being selfish. Okay, now just to kind of recap what we've been talking about, I asked initially uh, why you felt that you should be involved with a political issue, or at least what has been deemed a political issue. And then we talked about um, confronting people with the truth that abortion is wrong and dealing with the, the, the accusation that that's offensive. And then last of all, we talked about um, some children might be born into situations where it, it would be better for them to have not been born. Why should, you, why should we allow them to be born? Why should we force their mother to... Uh, carry them to term, whatever, whatever that might mean uh, in their case. So those are kind of the, some of the things that we covered, and then we dove into the selfishness aspect a little bit. Why don't we just close up, and you can tell us, uh, kind of just summarize for us why you are pro-life. Uh, let us know if you've always been pro-life or if that's a position you came to and, uh, and how you came to be more involved recently. Um, the audience doesn't know this, but I know this, that, that recently you and your church has been involved in helping us share the truth that Reproductive Freedom for All's amendment, which is being propped up by Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, this amendment is not something that any Christian should support. It's not something even someone who considers themselves pro-choice should support because it's radically beyond what they think that they're getting. Now, I know you guys have been involved with that, but why? Why do you think you should be involved with it? And what yes. is so important about this, this time? Well, your first question about have I always been pro-life, I suppose, I suppose in the heart of every person, I think we're all honestly all pro-life. I spoke with several pro-choice advocates, and, and I said, aren't you glad that your mother was pro-choice? Aren't you glad you were born? And, and she said, well, she was with me. And I says, haven't you ever thought about your brothers and sisters who didn't get a chance to live? But her mind couldn't go there. Hmm. She could not even think about, well, I was fortunate. My mom picked me to be born. Wow. So I'm, I'm 57 years old. I mean, when I was, uh, that's all I've ever known is pro-life. Grow up in a Christian home, the respect for life, the sanctity of life. I've always been pro-life, and I'm becoming stronger all the time. I don't doubt this at all. I just, I, I love life. God has given us life. He's the grantor of life. And if we don't get involved, who's going to get involved? If God's people who believe that God created us all with a purpose and a possibility of redemption, 
why would we not want to get involved and allow children to be born and breathe God's air and enjoy life and freedom and all the beautiful things God has put into life and then to give them eternal life through the gospel? Why would we not want to be involved? So uh, our church has been involved. It's been a great joy to speak with people. And the more we speak to pro-choice people, the more we realize that a lot of them are not as extreme and they do not agree with this uh, abortion amendment that is going to take it all the way through three months. So I've, I'm encouraged by the people we're talking to, and I want to encourage more of God's people just open conversations in the public place about this topic. Okay. Now, what ideas do you have for the listener uh, that they could take home or they can take to their, their town and promote the message? Yes. Uh, you and I yes. have talked together before recording this podcast about some ideas that we have. What do you think an individual could do? Just one individual. What's the first thing they can do to start making a difference? You know, don't be afraid to express your opinion in public on the, on the job site. Um, don't fear because there are so many people that agree with you. As I give the gospel and as I talk about being saved and, and in a public place, I'll, I'll have people come up to me and and reinforce that and encourage me and say, I believe the same thing. And so many people are pro-life, but they're afraid. They're afraid to speak. And I, I'm here to say that if you will speak up, you will challenge the opponents. You will get them to think. And they're, really, their, their positions are indefensible. They, they, they just repeat, my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. They cannot answer, Brother Tom. Uh, I've asked these ladies, okay, so you birthed a child. When that baby boy was in your womb, I want you to ask people this, when that baby was in your womb, was your little boy your body? And one lady says, that's a trick question. I says, no, we've been programmed so many times that that baby is my body. But I'm gonna tell you, get involved and ask people that simple question. Let me just ask you a question. Is that baby your body? Well, the answer is clearly no. And so I just want to say, get involved, let your opinion be known. It'll stimulate people's thinking. Yeah. And uh, just get it. We need to be talking about in public the things that they tell us not to be talking about. Abortion and the gospel <laughs> and uh, everything, everything you tell us not to talk about, we should be talking about. So just, just start talking. You'll encourage people. I guarantee it. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's worth saying that the other side, it's worth bringing up that the other side is going to make their opinion known. Yes. If they're the only voice people hear, yes. then they will be the voice that people listen to. Your voice matters not just because you matter, and you do matter, but your voice matters because there are a lot of other voices saying the opposite. Yes. You must say the truth in order for the truth to be heard, and we need to get the truth back to being louder than the lies. Yes. And I think that's what uh, Pastor Hutchison is here encouraging us to do. Pastor, did you have any closing comments you wanted to, anything else you felt like uh, our audience should know, any other thoughts from the Bible or from your experience you'd like to share with us? You know, this is, this is the day that God has chosen us to uh, be born. This is our day. This is our opportunity. We couldn't affect 1973, um, mm. but this is 2022. There's something on the table that we can do. We can engage and try to prohibit this from coming to a vote. But if it does, we can encourage people to use their mind and, and, and think about these things. But this is the day God has chosen us to live. And it's the most exciting day. And uh, for such a time as this, God has raised up every believer to speak the truth. And if we do not exercise freedom of speech, it will fade 
And I encourage you not to be fearless, but to be uh, speak the truth in love and, and be bold in this day. That's great. I love that. And uh, that's something to keep in mind. The past is the past. We don't get to fight that battle again. Even if you were there, you don't get to fight it again. It's over. But 2022, this attempt to amend our state constitution and everything else going on in our country relating to this issue, this is our day, and we are responsible for how it falls out. So we're going to take that responsibility. Uh, Pastor, this has been encouraging to me, uh, as our other conversations always are. This has been uh, Tom Powell and Pastor Garth Hutchison. Thank you folks for being here with us today. God bless.